Hi there, and welcome to the Still Loading Podcast, a space dedicated to exploring leadership for the digital age. I'm your host, Ilona Brannan, and I'm so excited to be here with you. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Um, And I'm delighted today to welcome Jane from La Cuisine to today's podcast. Jane and I met through the London Writers Salon. Uh, We're both keen, avid writers, and it was a great way for us to connect uh, in a virtual space. And funnily enough, I have a passion for French food, as does Jane. And this solidified our friendship and uh, got us to the next stage in having this podcast and sharing our passion uh, with you and for leadership development. So, Jane, tell us a bit more about your business, please. Sure. Okay. So listen, I'm so very happy to be here. Um, La Cuisine Paris was founded 12 years ago. I have to remind myself of that because we have lost a year, which means I've not aged for a year. No no one's aged. We're all good. (laughs) Um, And, you know, we are a business. um, On paper, we do cooking classes. But what I like to say is we're a business in the um, area of experiences, and the experience we give are souvenirs. Uh, and I use that in the French term because a souvenir in French means memory. So that's what my business is. And our vehicle happens to be food. Um, so we, first and foremost, we welcome people from all over the world. Uh, we are in food tourism and our um, offering is French cooking classes delivered in English. So if you want to go to the French market with the chef for the morning and then come back and make a wonderful meal, we've got something for you. If you love pastries and you want to try your hand at macaron or croissant or eclairs, uh, we can do those as well. And for those that want to enjoy culture uh, but not get their hands in it, we also have food tours. So that's, that's our business in a nutshell. Yeah, and that's the thing. So I found your website when I was, was, to be honest, struggling in lockdown. I was incredibly bored, quite lonely, feeling quite down. And I was like, how can I cheer myself up knowing that this is temporary, but right now this is hard, right? So this was January. This was the UK. We haven't had a Christmas and I'm feeling miserable, right? So Christmas had been cancelled, et cetera. And I'm like, what can I do to make myself you know, feel better and keep going. So I started to get into French cooking and understand a bit more about French cooking. I think I liked it because it was so precise. It required so much concentration, right? It's not just a flick things in. It's like you have to kind of think about it and and plan it out. And I came across your website and I was like, oh, I could do this um, like remote cooking experience. Even though I can't travel to France right now, I can actually have some of the French cuisine in my house and enjoy it and experience it. And unfortunately, I didn't book it, which I'm terribly, terribly sad about. But I know I will now we've met. So it's OK. Yes. Um, but yeah, I just I, I loved the fact that this was being offered. I just thought, yeah, there's cooking classes being offered in a digital way now. So tell me, how did you make that pivot from your cooking classes being in Paris, in you know the beautiful city, to now being online? How did you make that happen? Sure. Um, so nothing will force change like a crisis. And, <laughs> <laughs> and because we are in uh, travel and tourism and food, I was kind of at the vortex of everything that was falling apart for the past year. So um, frankly, I was forced into it. And I was very intrepid about it. I have to be completely honest because, you know, this is a subject that's so personal and it's a shared subject. And I believe it's best shared together. 
Mm -hmm. So here we have this new digital world and I was really challenged with how can we transfer what we do, which is really sharing culture and experience. And frankly, what you produce at the end is secondary. You know, we're sharing France with people and if they make a beautiful macaroon out of that, they're really pleased. But our primary focus is, is really culture. And I asked myself, how, how can we do that? Um, and that was driven by how can we keep the business in some way surviving, but most importantly, how can we maintain our community, the community that we've created? Um, and we certainly didn't want that falling apart. So um, I was probably really late in the market and I was very cautious to not panic, but really pivot. So, um, and one of the things that made me feel good about it was in Adam Grant's book, um, he mentions a term called strategic procrastination. I don't know if he can be credited with it, but I loved it because it's the art of waiting to react. It's the taking, the giving yourself the space to take in the information you can, as much as you can to then make the best decision and not just throwing things on the wall. Sometimes it is appropriate to throw things on the wall when you're testing out concepts, but this I knew we had to do it very carefully um, because it was a big shift for us. So our first point of call was doing videos. We didn't even do anything live. We just did still videos with the team. I wanted to keep the team engaged and I wanted to keep our community connected. That They still wanted to see the same faces. They wanted to have a similar experience, but manage it from their home. Um, and then stage two was Zoom. Uh, you know, the wonderful thing, silver lining about COVID is that we've been able to connect around the world and we're now comfortable doing so remotely. Um, and I had to listen to what clients wanted and they wanted to connect. But again, it wasn't about the product. It was about keeping a community together and people wanting to have a purpose to unite. Everything we offer, you can find on YouTube, by the way, it's not rocket science. If you search YouTube, you can find all sorts of cooking classes. So I knew that wasn't really what they wanted. They wanted a sense of community and that's what we tried to provide. Yeah, and I can totally relate to that because that's what I was looking for, right? When I was yeah. lonely in January, looking for something to kind of keep me going, it was the idea that I would be cooking live yeah. with other people. With people. Yeah, with people. Yeah, at a time that's very lonely and yeah. isolating. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I you know, I think it, it just requires that sort of, um, you know, topic to all unite around, which a food topic is always going to be high on my list of things to, to connect about, especially because uh, that's that's my passion as well. Um, I'd love you to explore a little bit more about how you actually came to this, um, you know, to this business, because I love your story from just before you joined in and created this business, right? Because I think often people are like, oh, they started it like, 12 and they became a millionaire at 24 and I love the idea that you can kind of pivot and become a entrepreneur whenever it's just you've got to make that shift and that decision for yourself absolutely and I'll be the first to say and I want to say it loud and clear because I feel like we put so much pressure on ourselves about having a clear definition of who we are mm -hmm. that we have a pain when we don't have a specific passion and the weight we put on ourselves to find what we're really good at. And sometimes we forget that the, the excitement and um, the passion can be the journey of. 
So um, I spent a number of years working in banking and I was so lucky and I had a wonderful experience and really fabulous people I worked with. And then I decided that it wasn't for me. Um, and that was also to be transparent, um, precipitated by some family situations that made it very clear life is too short. So mm -hmm. I, was, I was forced with, am I happy with what I'm doing? And is this what I wanna do forever? And again, we have that mentality of I must climb up a ladder rather than moving horizontally. If you would have asked me 13 years ago, do you wanna have a cooking school in Paris? I would have looked at you like you're crazy. I love food, I love eating, there's no question. Um, did I wanna have a cooking school? Never came into my mind. What I did remain open to was wanting to make a change that would suit me and allowing myself to fall into it. And La Cuisine just floated down like a snowflake, I call it, a little concept of an idea that was born talking with friends. And then I slowly started to explore it. I gave myself the space to explore it. And then 12 years later, here we are. Yeah, I love that because I think we talked about this when we, when we chatted before um, about that chapter in Big Magic with Elizabeth yes. Gilbert about this almost like tiny bit of curiosity. And actually, if you just nurture that little curiosity, it can then develop into massive things rather than putting, as you say, incredible pressure to define and categorize your passion. Um, that little spark can take you a long, long way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so with the next sort of phase of La Cuisine, what's kind of on the horizon for you? So the next phase right now is really about reopening. Mm -hmm. And that is posing challenges. It's putting me back to the early days um, when you're trying to relearn and retrain those muscles that have atrophied over the past uh, year. So I'm back to basics of reminding us, what are we doing here? How are we doing it? Um, pulling the team back in uh, that we've always kept in touch with, but we just weren't as active. So we couldn't uh, keep everyone with us. Um, so I guess first and foremost is creating the stability that we have, continuing on with the community that we've kept through this period. And frankly, they're the ones that kept us whole. When you have a sense of community with the people that you work with, and um, also very importantly, the people that come to you, your clients, I like to call them our family members, they make you get up every day. And in this past year, I'm sure there's been lots of us, including myself, that didn't want to get up every day. But when you know that people are waiting to hear from you, it forces you. So I'm going to continue to develop our community. Um, and I'm going to look at, now that we have this new tool that we maybe have been slightly exhausted by Zoom, we can still use that. We can still use that again as a community building exercise. Um, Zoom for us has never been a huge revenue maker, nor did I intended it to be. I wanted us to be able to connect with people. And so now that we have this tool, we're gonna to see how we can use that and uh, further integrate that into the business when the time is right. Right now, it's about getting folks back here and spending time and having a little noise in our very quiet kitchens. Yeah, I'm sure the kitchen is desperate to have someone use it. <laughs> right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, the kitchen is the heart of the home. And obviously, in your business, it's the heart of the, everything that you do as well. When you were pivoting um, and you were creating your you know, courses, what were the challenges that you faced? Oh my goodness, many, 
but that's kind of the exciting part. And I think that this is um, perhaps the beautifully sadistic thing of entrepreneurs, the <laughs> love, the love of the challenge of learning something because you don't know what you don't know and you can't possibly know everything. So you have to really surround yourself by people that do have good opinions and strong opinions and allow yourself to listen to them. Um, so what I guess was most challenging is thinking, how do, how do I deliver something? How do I do it logistically? Um, how do I make it fit with our brand? I did not want it to be disconnected to what we do because I knew the main people that will be coming have already been here and they want to see what they recognize. They don't want to see a different uh, La Cuisine. So to try to maintain what we have, um, put it into a different profile and still provide the same quality service. And that's very challenging when you're doing it through a computer screen. Yeah, and when you were doing the online courses, what did you find when you were creating them? Um, you know, if I just look at logistics, things take an awful longer time when you're working remotely and you don't, you don't consider it, but to pause and let everyone speak individually versus when they're all here and they're all speaking at the same time and you can respond to a lot of the questions, there's that. Um, when you're with people, you can help them prepare when they're remote, you have to tell them how to prepare. So there's a lot more explaining that needs to be involved. There's a lot more in-depth information that needs to be involved just to get you prepared to actually connect and be together. Um, so that, that, was, that was quite challenging. And then you realize when you're trying to transmit things, um, not physically, but remotely, there's a lot of things that you have in your head that people will see you gesture or focus on but if they're not with you, you have to explain that ahead of time. And that's, that's hard because, again, you don't always think of, oh, I need to tell this person to weigh the flour or if they're using cups to be careful that it's going to be a different weight or, you know, I mean, things that you would do without thinking twice in person. Yeah, I think it's the separation of each and every single cognitive step that just Absolutely. takes an awful lot longer than you could yes. ever imagine. Yes. Yeah. What have been some of the benefits that you've seen from doing that? Um, the main benefit I'll tell you is keeping our community connected. And it's been absolutely beautiful. Um, I'm so very grateful. There were, there were a few people that I think have taken so many of the classes repeatedly um, to the point where I felt guilty about them joining a class just because again, they wanted to stay connected to us. And that was so um, soul enriching to know that you're not just a business, um, you're a group of people. And I just happened to share this on Instagram. And it's something we should remind ourselves as business people and as consumers. Businesses, small and big, are made up of people. People who have fears and dreams and desires and anxiety, bad days, good days, but they come in every day with their best intentions. Um, and that's, you know, that I'm grateful to have a team like that. And I'm grateful that our clients have recognized that and they care about our people and our people just happen to be the business. So one thing I wanted to explore with you was your own leadership journey through this process. And as you know, my passion is around this leadership for the digital age. So as you're, you've pivoted your, your business to be digital, 
what have you developed as a leader? What skills and attributes do you think you've developed in that process that have helped you to become a leader for the digital age? Oh my heavens. Um, so I can't separate that from the crisis of how we responded to it. But what's ironic is a lot of what we did, particularly the video classes, I'd always had in mind, we just never took time to do it. I just always thought that would be a nice souvenir. But again, when you're busy and you get just stuck into the day to day, you don't always take time to step back and reflect. So in terms of, of my leadership skills, and I learn every day, because I'm certainly um, by no means perfect, I learned, particularly during this time, the importance of communicating and the importance of um, being vulnerable. And I think, and I thank Brene Brown, who is uh, the ultimate role model for that um, ability to say, I don't know, I don't have the answer. I'm worried too, but as soon as I can figure it out, I'll let you know. Um, that was crucial in this. Um, again, you don't know what you don't know. And if people have the faith that you're trying your best to figure it out, and you'll share with them as soon as you can, they can tolerate it. Um, you know, the worst part of this situation for all of us is if you're gonna get a shot, um, you know that that pain is gonna last two seconds and there's anxiety and then it's over. This has up until now been an extended threat of a needle that you don't know when it's gonna come and you don't know when it's gonna finish. And that's very hard for people. So I think communication of all the leadership skills has been uh, incredibly important. And I do try to practice shared leadership. We went into a new domain that I don't know anything about, which is video recording and trying to make sure that you can transpire through, through the internet. And so I sought out people who knew it and made sure they understood what I needed to get out of it, what I wanted my clients to get out of it. And we partnered to come up with a decision. I'm certainly not an expert. I'm happy to take advice from. And what about your self-care? Because one of the things I think leaders forget about is often themselves, right? They're making sure everyone else is okay. So what did you do to look after yourself or at least learn to do? Yes. Um, I... I am a consumer of information. I love to be, but I don't take time. And during this period, I did take time to really enjoy reading. And I love business books and I love podcasts. So that was kind of like my fountain of youth was listening to other people, how they, um, you know, their takes on leadership, um, things that you can employ. Um, I really fell in love with Adam Grant. I really fell in love with Brene Brown. The things that come out of text, um, is, you know, sometimes there can be so profound, it really makes you stop and think about how you do things. And I had the luxury of doing that because of the downtime. So that was probably first and foremost, something that kept me whole. And I think uh, second, what kept me whole was trying to connect with colleagues um, just to see how they are, just to try to have a shared experience and a very bizarre one, but a shared one where perhaps you can learn from some them. And thirdly, first and foremost was helping others. There's nothing more powerful that you can do for yourself than to say yes when somebody needs help. That's such a gift to be able to be a part of someone else's journey. 
And I had a couple of occasions where I was able to do that with colleagues and I got so much more out of it than they probably ever did. It's, it's, it's a real blessing. Never say no if somebody needs help. You'll be the winner in the end. I love that. That, that really um, sort of embodies your um, value of community that you have in your business. Um, and I wonder what are the other values you think your um, business is built upon? Because we've, we've seen recently, um, at least in the UK, that there's been this exposure of um, cultures that potentially aren't great for people to work in. And culture is a huge component of where we work, but I don't think enough is done to think about how you build a culture. So it sounds like one of your values is community. What are other values that you have in your business? Um, I would definitely say openness, frankness. Um, you know, when you're in a client service business or, or anything where you have clients and they can be external or internal, if you're a professional, you have um, kind of an internal obligation to do the best you can. And when you don't, uh, a lot of times you're disappointed. Um, and if you don't take time to kind of review how you can get better, um, that's a real miss. And that's something that is very important for me and my business and, and the team, we talk about it regularly. How did that go? How can we get better? Because you, you've, you've never arrived when you're doing business. You're always on a journey to be the best that you can. And you should reiterate that every occasion. So that is certainly a value. Um, so certainly community, certainly communication, reiteration, um, and I'd say lastly, um, integrity and having fun um, and caring about the people that work with you doesn't mean that you agree with what they do all the time. Um, and you're gonna have disagreements, but if you know in, that they have their best intention and they know that you do the same, um, you can discuss tough matters and you can get past them. Yeah, no, I think that's really important. I think as a leader to have that really clear in your mind for who you work with, right? So they know what they're dealing with. And I think the quicker a leader can be upfront about who they are and their expectations, the better then everyone can work with that, um, even if you don't necessarily align completely. Because actually, sometimes it's where the friction is, where you can actually generate new ideas and new outcomes rather than group think and, you know, people saying yes all the time. Right. Um, I was going to say, do you have a um, example of a leader that inspired you or like leaders that, or, you know, people who were your role model? Oh my goodness. I completely forgot about this. Right. Rewind. <laughs> now we're going to talk about role models. <laughs> so when we spoke before the other time, I think what blew me away was not just your passion for your business, but also the fact that you have a passion for um, the same sorts of things as I do with leadership development and coaching. And you told me about your research about role models, and I would love for you to share that with everyone. Okay, so I'm going to try to distill, and again, I'm not a researcher. No, I know, but I found it so interesting. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to try to distill uh, months of reading and talking to different uh, people from college students to um, some extraordinary uh, women um, that, that I spent the first half of my career with. Um, one thing that was just dawned on me at one point was the importance of role models. And I think if there's three 
pillars of your life. It's a mentor, which is somebody that you can speak to who can advise you. If you're working in a professional services, having a sponsor, that person that can help introduce you, may not be a mentor, but somebody that helps to elevate you, puts you in, in the right position. And then thirdly is a role model. And I think this is so incredibly important uh, at every age we are as individuals. Why? Because from what I believe and what I've gleaned, your role model is your future aspirational vision of you. You've identified something in somebody else that you would like to have, a characteristic or an experience um, that you'd like to have. So you're projecting out what you'd like to be. And if you don't have that view, if you don't have a role model, then you've lost an opportunity to project your future self. And for all leaders, that needs to happen at any age in your career. Who says that you have to stop dreaming about something when you're 50 or 60 or 70? You know, we can all use those beautiful aspirational views of our future self. And that's why role models are so important. Yeah, and I, I thought that was amazing when you said that, because actually that's really, really important. And I was doing some reflection um, on my own moral role models this year. And what I tended to, what I noticed around my, my <laughs> what I noticed about my role models were they were a mix of men and women. Yep. Yep. Um, and I remember my mum shared with me this book called Women Who Read Fiction. And in that book, they, the author goes on to describe how women tend to read um, 50% male authors and 50% female authors, whereas men tend to read about 90% male authors. And I wondered, the question I posed to you was, would the role model split be similar? So would women have a male-female split and then men have a role model sort of ideation towards just men? Um, and then does that influence how we all behave, act, think and feel, etc.? Absolutely. So that's a fascinating question and it's got so many layers because it certainly will be influenced by um, where you are and you know, those that are around you. So if we look at professional services at the point when I was there, um, you know, it's no secret that there were a number of men and, and really wonderful, wonderful managers. Um, so perhaps a number of the characteristics or the skills that I saw were male dominant. Um, there were certainly women that I can point to that I thought were exceptional leaders and I would take that, but I would cherry pick from those because I had the benefit of seeing them both. When you don't, um, that's a problem because you start trying to acquire skills or layers that don't necessarily fit with who you are. And it's beautiful to cherry pick something, some great way to walk into a conference room or a great, or a great way to handle a conflict from, from someone else. And, you know, having a mosaic of those different things for both men and women is, is, is a wonderful thing to have, regardless if you're a female leader or a male leader. And who are your role models? Oh boy, um, so that's changed um, as it should when you get to different points in, in your mm -hmm. life. And I would certainly say, uh, Brene Brown, I've mentioned her because I just love her style. She's so um, incredibly intelligent and smart but fun and open and accessible. And I love that about her. Um, so I'd say that she's probably my primary one. I, I just, um, 
I just really enjoy following everything that she does. And, and there's so many others. Again, she stands out because she's got so many things that, that I really appreciate. But I love to cherry pick. Yeah. You know, as I think we all should and create this beautiful mosaic of lots of different things that, that we love. And with Brene Brown, my friend and I call her our internet auntie. She's almost like, you know, the auntie who's quite sensible or like just someone you can go to for advice, right? If you can't always go to like, you know, your mum or dad or whatever, you're just like, can I have a grown up's opinion on something that I need to have information about? Absolutely. And she's real and she's open and she's honest and you never, um, she's never unpolished, but she's never too shiny. You know, she's just as she's just the perfect combo. Yeah, and I love the idea that you, you know, you change your role models over time because I can totally relate to that because I think when I was growing up in the 90s, my role models were, you know, Oasis and Blur and basically anyone a little bit kind of Indian, you know, F the system. I'm not saying that I'm not like, I've definitely got a core teenage part of me that that channels that for, for sure. But now it's more like, you know, when I look at my role models that I had recently, it was like Michelle Obama or um, uh, David Bowie. So it's kind of like this weird eclectic mix, but they're things that you I resonate with. Yes. And I think it's a brilliant exercise for people to just honestly go through and who is it that just makes you go, you're amazing. And I right. think you're great. Yeah. And Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, two of my role models died last year, right? So RGB, notorious RGB, Ruth Gader, uh, is it Bader Ginsburg? Yes. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, RBG, and uh, Ken Robinson. Now, Ken Robinson was huge for me because um, I listened to him when I was about 17, and he, he did that TED talk about creativity, how it's killed in schools, and I was in school at the time, and I just remember going, yes, yes, to all the things he was saying. Um, and he inspired me to then go down this learning path. So to really understand human evolution, uh, the way we learn. And then in came the internet and it kind of fused this digital um, uh, sort of passion. And between the two of them, I got this moment last year, like, it's time. It's time. They've, you know, they've gone. You've got to step up now. <laughs> like, yeah. like, whoa. And, you know, though, I think it's just important to realise that your role models will also not always be here. So you have to step up and do some stuff for the people who need to see you be a role model. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they don't, as you quite rightly pointed out, as did I, they don't have to be people that you engage with every day. You know, they, they don't, they can be, um, you know, somebody that's remote to you, but you, you find an interest in the values that they, they uphold. And it's such a really uh, important reflective exercise when you th- take time to think about who is your role model you're taking time to think about you because this is who you want to become and we rarely take the moment to do that yeah and it's it's all related to like mirror neurons and then helping you as you say visualize who you kind of want to be aspirationally in the future so for everyone listening do a role model exercise, just get yourself onto Canva, take the pictures, put yourself in a vision board and put your role models on a board and put it up on the wall so you know exactly what you're aiming for. And also revisit it because I think that's a really important point because it should shift over time and that's absolutely great. Absolutely, absolutely. And follow that curiosity, as you said. So what do you think your three top tips are for 
leadership in the digital age from what you've experienced over the past year with your own digital journey? Um, the first thing I would say, strategic procrastination. That's mm -hmm. my top tip. And is that an excuse for me to do nothing? No, <laughs> even though it's a quite handy one. It is, again, getting in that reflective space where you take time to absorb information. And some might say, oh, that's a luxury and you have to react. You know what, we're going to get there both at the same point, but at least I am going to have as much information as I can under my belt before I take a decision. That's number one. Um, number two, we have the silver lining of connecting with people from all over, thanks to uh, this, this very precarious year. Um, but there's an, an added layer um, and responsibility to communicate carefully and clearly. And that's definitely tip number two. Really think about the message you're trying to deliver and how you need to really enhance it based on the form that you're using. And especially when you're remote with people. Number three, oh my good. Number three would be, we're all, you know, there's been no playbook for the past year. There's no... <laughs> There's no uh, Harvard business case study on if your business goes, you know, if you're in a pandemic, this is, here's some tools to use. Um, so I guess uh, number three would be um, take time to really um, listen and partner with people. And we talk about shared leadership. That doesn't always have to be just with the folks that are working directly with you because I think what we've seen, uh, particularly in this day and age, is there's power in partnerships. And those partnerships can really even just be about sharing information with your colleagues. So I guess those would be my, my top three tips. Amazing. I think that is a, a brilliant place to end with those three key tips from you. I definitely will try strategic procrastination or at least label what I do now strategic <laughs> procrastination so thank you for that I'm glad I've got a nice handy way of saying it um, it's been an absolute pleasure I cannot wait for the UK to come out of this crazy lockdown number 17 um, and come over to Paris and be with you and actually the food it would be amazing can't wait um, and also to see what happens next with La Cuisine um, well, in terms you. of the digital offerings you have as well Yes, yes, we'll see, you know, one day at a time. This Absolutely. is where uh, the, the pace is forward. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. This has been an absolute joy and it's been so great to connect with you virtually and I hope to do so in real life soon. Likewise, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to help support this podcast, please share it with others. Share it with your friends, your family, your colleagues, anyone you think who might benefit from listening. Post about it on social media as well or leave a rating and review and please subscribe to catch all the latest updates and episodes. You can also find us on Instagram at Still Loading Podcast. Thanks and I'll see you next time. Bye.